Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. I'm John Burke. With me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. And this week for Top 5 Movies, we're going to be looking at our Top 5 Nostalgia Moments, or movies that make us feel nostalgic. Um, And that's in honor of the release of Captain Marvel coming out this weekend, uh, being set in the 90s. And of course, when the trailer dropped, there was all the hype around the uh, Blockbuster video store she crash lands through. Um, because, you know, Blockbuster, sadly, is gone. And it makes us pine for the old days when we could browse the aisles and find a movie to watch. There's there's one still, wasn't there? There's one I think still. it's in Alaska. I think it's in Alaska, or, or it's at least in the northwest. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it's one lone yeah. Blockbuster. Um, and I, I miss browsing the aisles of the Blockbuster. I, I miss Blockbuster, yeah. I think that they were one of the first ones. I mean, I don't know when Netflix like dvds.com started but they were in on that whole you know rent movies through the mail thing pretty early on too it was after netflix did it though Uh, yeah it was um they they tried to to stay afloat and they just failed i I actually used that service they even uh they had blockbuster boxes like Redbox um for a very i didn't know that yeah we had them at uh our local gas station and our local supermarket both had the blockbuster box for a little while yep. and uh, yeah. they they didn't last um i feel like i really missed out there yeah and if you were a uh, subscriber mm. if you had, <laughs> but if, if you had the uh the online like send them through the mail you could go to the box and i think get one or two like it they had good deals going on but they just it just was too late um they lost to the streaming service but um <sighs> so uh if you've never listened to the top five movies the way this works is we have our topic we build our list in secret and this is us going through our list uh we are not in a rush but we want to make sure we're able to keep everybody on schedule today so we are going to jump right into this but before we do that we like to have the freedom to talk about these movies so Corey, guys from here on out we're going to talk about these movies maybe in great detail so spoilers you've been warned you can go to burkreviews.com and see each of our top five list um if you want to check those out first otherwise see my head the other thing we do every week is mike's movies tend to be a little more obscure than Corey and my own and uh, this week, I'm especially skeptical because who knows what makes Mike nostalgic. So I've let you go first. I believe the last two weeks, Corey, because I've been pretty arrogant with my uh, choosing. <laughs> oh, wow. You're like, so, I'm gonna guess 27. Yeah, I'm I've been, kidding. and I was spot on the last time. Um, but this time, I'm gonna go low ball. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna go one movie on Mike's list that I've Ooh. seen. He's going oh, safe. Dang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go too. I feel like that's where I always go with you, Mike, but I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's only so many things. Eventually, we'll actually make this mean something, but for now. I know. I've stopped. Mm-hmm. I was keeping tally, and now I just don't. <laughs> but that said, uh, Mike is going to start us off, then I'll go, then Corey. So, Mike, what is your number five nostalgia moment and or movie? Okay, well, I didn't make a whole lot of notes for my movies because, again, I can follow my rabbit trail on my own for a long while. Um, I did notice a trend. I'm curious if you'll pick up on it as well. But uh, maybe. Maybe it's not as obvious. Uh, I actually started... This is right now available on Streampix. Hmm. Um, I think it's a service. I know it's via our 
entertainment provider or cable providers, and I don't want to advertise for them, so I won't say who it is. But um, way back before he played Deacon Frost in 1987, Stephen Dorff was in The Gate. And, I don't, yes, The Gate. There's several. Actually, if you just search for Gate, it will not pull that one. There are a couple other The Gates, but this one's specific to 1987. I don't even recognize the... I'm going to do a hatchet job on the director's name. Tibor, Tibor Takas? Or Whoa. Takas? It's got the little um, little accent above the second A. And um, he's really... I don't recognize any of the other names. I started looking up to see if I could dig up any of the other people. And Stephen Dorff is the only one that I recognize. And he plays the lead role as... Glenn, which is a little kid. So basically, basically the premise is uh, an old rotted treehouse tree or tree that houses a treehouse for Glenn and his his friend is ends up being the portal, the gate to tap into demonic summoning. And it does not make me nostalgic for any demonic rituals that we may not have participated in because I did not. But the reason this brings this all up because I remember very distinctly. I don't remember the date. I just know that is it was at an overnight thing where we went out to Miami and the kid's mom must have driven us all over to go skateboard in all sorts of different spots in Miami, which I don't know. I, I remember we tried to jump a train that evening. That didn't work out well. Um, and as part of that, I think on our decompress compression or debrief or whatever we ended up doing after we were all tired, we put the gate on at four or five in the morning and it had us tripping the light fantastic it was uh, uh, <laughs> some some of the effect i mean it's all practical effects no cgi there's some weird things going on with moths and some weird creatures that if you get the door slammed into them uh, they kind of do like planarians or flatworms where they split up and create infinitely much more of themselves and a lot faster than flatworms do, mm-hmm. and and there's backward masking records, you know, with all the '80s scare on that. It's, it was at the tail end of that, and it just it reminded me of let's see, I would have been 14 in its release. I wasn't that young. Video release probably would have been 15 or almost 16. I would say 15. I think it came out on video pretty fast, and it just yeah. takes me back. There it is. Um, I've I've not heard of this nor seen it, which so I'm, I feel like I've gone the right direction with my number one. Uh, Corey, have you seen it? No. Um, but no I, one has seen it. Oh man, I this like must have just been Stephen Dorff though in in Blade. You know, or, you he know, was, uh, well now he is not. He, uh, you got to understand, he's a very young, if not first role Stephen Dorff. So mm-hmm. you're not seeing Deacon Frost, Stephen Dorff. You're seeing a light as a feather, stiff as a board. There's a, literally a spot. Uh, situation. He runs off crying because he oh, levitates way too high and busts the light and busts the light fixture, and he's gonna get himself in trouble when mom and dad come back because oh, the party man. was was had when they weren't supposed to. So just be aware. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how soon I'll seek this one out, but nonetheless, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I I feel like there's a chance my next movie has been seen by you guys, but it's also possible maybe you skipped it and. Um, but when I think back to my childhood, and that's kind of what I did. I was thinking of movies that would, if I put on, would trigger like that kind of feeling. And um, this one, I, it was on HBO or something, and I rewatched it all the time. And it's uh, from 1993, Last Action Hero. No. Um, 
which I don't know if there's a better movie for hitting nostalgia because this here, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a movie star in the world, but he's not playing the movie star. He's playing a character in a movie that this kid loves and he comes to life because of a magic movie ticket, which how me is this movie, right? Like, I mean, I'm 11 years old when this comes out, so I'm probably 12 before I finally see it, but movies come to life. Like, you know, so there's uh, a scene though when they're in the blockbuster video and, um, they're in the fictional world because the kid can also go into the movie world. It, it works both ways. And they're at the Blockbuster video and uh, Sylvester Stallone is playing Terminator. So there's this big <laughs> cutout of him as the Terminator. And so Arnold's got this really funny joke about it. Um, they, you know, There's a lot of little in-references. And you get some 90s like, like references. One, I did not realize Ian McKellen plays Death in this. Um, but, what? Yeah, the cast of this movie is ridiculous. So you got Arnold Schwarzenegger, F. Murray Abraham... Um, Art Carney, Charles Dance, who's the villain, he's freaking awesome in this. Um, Tom Noonan is in it, uh, who's in a bunch of stuff. You know, Anthony Quinn. Um, you get hold on, I'm scrolling down because uh, MC Hammer shows up in this movie. Karen <laughs> Duffy, um, Little Richards in this movie. So just you know, it's hitting oh that nostalgia hard. Maria Shriver. So before Arnold, you know, ruined his marriage with her. Um, it's you get Noah Emmerich's in it, who's in uh, the Truman Show, like. It's just, it's a cast. I, I used to watch this all the time. It was so much fun. And again, there's there's references to all the 80s action movies, which really this is what that is. It's kind of like a, a love letter to that movie, but it's a kid's like, you know, parody of it because he gets to go into the action movie and he knows all the tropes and he's laying them all out and he's trying to use those tropes to his advantage to solve the crime. And it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it doesn't have the highest score from Metacritic uh, sitting at a 44, but it's got a 6.3 imdb user score so people like this movie uh not just myself but i thought it was a it, it really brings me back to my childhood but it also like really feels like that era like it's like almost like capping off the 80s action movies which you know stallone himself has said like, they're gone that's why he made the expendables films you don't get those movies and i'm not saying that's a bad thing there are a lot of bad 80s action movies and sometimes when they a movie feels like an 80s action movie i don't want to watch it um, hence Expendables 2 and 3 not being seen by me. But um, I, I, this movie just, it, it really pulls me back and it fits perfectly for this nostalgia uh, topic. I, I, mm, I, I hate to be the one to stomp on your nostalgia because this is one that I, it was notorious for its not being so good. It's almost, I, I don't want to say it's Hudson Hawk level, but it may hey, it's be hot. there. It has... Uh, seven points higher than Hudson Hawk on Metascore, thank you very much. So Yeah, but, but I mean I'm just thinking look at the level of stunt casting it has in yeah. there. That is just oh, yeah. insane. Yeah. That's what I'm so saying. They, they they really tried hard to bring the the draw in, and I just never found that kid to be very sympathetic to anything else. I don't know. I don't, yeah and I'm not saying the kid right was I, good think I don't even I don't even think I listed his name. He wasn't even in the top billing there. <laughs> So, oh man! Oh my gosh! Wow, he's like <laughs> Alan. He's the Alan That's Smithy of, of actors. Sad. I've got to dig him up. Yeah, I, I don't. On here. I don't see. Oh, him. there he is, Austin O'Brien, da- Danny Manigan, and actually, oh, okay. yeah, he's oh, done some other stuff. Oh my gosh! Just the one cover reminds me of. That's right. He was uh, Veda Sultanfuss's buddy in <gasps> My Girl Two. Two. Uh, oh, do y'all remember? That kid. Yeah, that, that kid. kid. Do y'all remember, I remember this on the video store shelf because I did work a mom and pop, uh, pre-hysteria when it, all these dinosaur movies were all coming out. Oh. And there, do you all remember even Whoopi Goldberg putting a partner up as a police officer with a dinosaur that looked just like the dad from Dinosaurs? 
Oh yeah, no. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I never nobody saw it, wants, but... Nobody saw that. Um, so that's that kid. He's it was an I don't even know who he was in Apollo thirteen. It says Wiz Kid, um, so I don't know. That could be anybody. That I, you know, I never got. I never got because I really didn't watch it. I knew the premise. I knew it is a clever premise. It just for some reason tanked really hard. Yeah, well, it was also. I mean, you got to think it's after uh, Terminator Two, and um, you know, by two years, and Arnold's kind of fading at this point, and so is the '80s action star. So I, I think there's a lot. Again, I'm not sitting here saying it's the best movie ever, but it totally reminds but it does me of bring my back, childhood. Yeah. yeah. And it does, it is, I can see it being you. The The other humorous part about this is you mentioned The Expendables, which was on as, as I was working. Yeah, it was on and, AMC. And that never fails. And it is action-packed. Mm-hmm. It never fails to put me to sleep. Yeah, it is. It is brutally not good. <laughs> uh, it is just so over the, I mean, it, if you go into it uh, just being an over-the-top 80s-like action movie, mm-hmm. then... But, it, it knocked me out. I'm like, oh, maybe I should change the channel. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I totally can see that. All right. Well, Corey, we're on to you. What is your number five uh, nostalgia movie? Okay, so I purposely didn't ask questions about this, and I had such a hard time with this list. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Starman. Ah. <laughs> this is going to sound a little weird. But to me, I mean, I think maybe it's – I don't know. Nostalgia elicits a feeling of positivity. And what reminded me of when I was a teenager, um, I lived in um, Georgia for a while. And it wasn't really a place that I enjoyed living. And we always lived in really tiny towns. But when they stop at that diner, that's it's pretty much a truck stop. But yeah, they have like yeah. the restaurants and the gas station. So... Pretty. I lived in two or three towns in Georgia, and they were very small, very rural, and pretty much all of our restaurants were attached to gas stations. So, so that sounds so dumb, and it's kind of gross. And we didn't really eat out, um, but it reminded me of then, and also that I never want to live in a place like that again. So maybe that's a positive part about it. Maybe you know the um, for me when we watched Starman, as we just did movie club about that in January. Um, that scene reminds me of when you leave Florida and go to Georgia, um, on, I think it's on 75, there's that, like, Stuckey's, I think is what it is, like, it's a, yeah. I've, every time I've ever gone to Georgia, I've stopped there and ate there, and so that's exactly what it reminded me, because it's a big diner, truck stop, gas station, and, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I totally, totally get that, um, and since I didn't realize you lived in Georgia, but that totally makes sense to me, because my association with Georgia is, I'm gonna stop at a gas station, truck stop, and have food, <laughs> so... I, I totally yeah. get that. Uh, my association with Georgia is um, the Dukes of Hazard and cheaper gas. Ah, is Dukes of Hazard Georgia? Uh, it is actually the downtown. The only reason I know this is because I had a high school friend move to a little town called Covington, Georgia, and unless they've really changed the downtown area, that whole downtown thing that they have in the Dukes of Hazard mm-hmm. is the downtown of Covington, Georgia. Oh, everything, really? everything, save for the balladeer and, you know, some jumping cars and whatnot. But huh. it is that. Well, now and... I'm never going to visit. <gasps> no jumping cars? What? That's a good joke, actually. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Well, I mean, I... they probably they probably wait till after dark or something. Okay, Maybe, yeah. I can definitely wait that's, until after That's it. when it's yeah. really safe to jump the cars. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if you can't see them jumping. No traffic. Yeah. yeah, see? <laughs> no. Well, then what do you jump over if there's no traffic? That's the whole point, right? To get the, the curbs. Uh, yeah, okay. The air. The yeah. air. We'll All just right. put out some ramps. So Corey's uh, <laughs> Starman, which I, I think it's interesting because uh, Mike and I both chose movies we watched as kids. Uh, and you went with this one, which uh, it doesn't require that because there's totally – um, I'm going to say Stranger Things is a great example. Um, Stranger Things totally reminds me of the 80s. But mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that they're doing, I didn't do in the 80s. Like, I didn't play D&D uh, as a kid. In fact, I still have yet to play D&D because every group I've ever tried to start. What? You know I this, I feel like sir. I need to You're learn. You're one of my group I... people. Um, when when did the group start? We've tried many times. It never gets going. Like, we, we spent a whole day at your house building characters with Taylor and Abby one time, and then nothing ever came of those characters. Um, oh yeah, yeah well, you know so, what? Yeah. I think I gave away my intro set to someone that said they were gonna play. Well, I'm I sad have now. several sets of dice. I've because every time I'm someone's like, "Let's play," I'm like, "I buy, I'll buy dice," and then they just are sit those the hundred sided no. die? No. How many? Sides no. Are no, 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 twenty. Twenty. Nobody most. uses twenty. If someone's using a hundred sided die, they're doing that wrong. They do exist though, but they're not. Usually they do exist, but but yeah. it's just yeah, it's just a little bit over. I mean, it's cool to have. Like, I will roll one to a hundred. Yeah, but um, natural nat hundred. Um, right. <laughs> okay, that's excessive. Uh, all right, Mikey. Um, we're moving on to your number four. What makes you okay. travel back in time? Okay. Well, no. See, the other thing I wanted to mention about uh, Corey's Starman pick is, I was thinking, is she reminiscing back to a time when an alien uh, scrolled into <laughs> someone that she really liked and yes. started oh, as a baby? Actually, the scroll reference is appropriate since the Captain Marvel was the, uh, the trigger for this <laughs> you list. You see how so. I did that? You see that? Yep. Um, I, I should have said shapeshifted, but scroll just came to mind, and there we went. You, the, like uh, and another thing about your pick, I did not realize it was John McTiernan. So by all means, that pedigree or that that should have done well, and it just didn't. So yeah. let's go to my pick. Um, this one just totally reminds me. Let's see. I would have been 13 when it was released. And I get a feeling that it was one that once it hit broadcast release, I had my handy dandy VHS um, tape ready and queued up to the last movie that I was going to watch. I think I actually only didn't I didn't do it the long play speed where you can get like three movies on one. I think I just kept one per each, so I you know I could just switch out tapes for my favorites. And this was one that was on it, the TV edit, and eventually the actual edit of short circuit oh okay and i've seen barring barring some of the profiling and uh, stereotyping which poor fisher stevens had to go through and he did well and at the time we were all laughed about it we really really enjoyed it and nowadays it wouldn't play well i mean i was really more about number five i was more about johnny five and i mean my daughter, my daughter, and I just watched Breakfast Club, and it reaffirmed how much I loved Ali, Ali Sheedy, who was the female lead in this. Um, and it, even Steve Gutenberg wasn't that bad because poor guy, you know, what's the last thing he's done? Lav, Lavalanchulas, I think. Uh, he, he's done some Lifetime movies as, as Santa Oof, Claus. Actually, that's, that doesn't count. Um, I mean, really, I mean, they're I lifetime. know they're really bad. <laughs> Let's 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 not further taint his reputation, his rep. Okay. But um, yeah, I I just really at that time, uh, let's see, eighty six, thirteen. I was in my hopefully dreaming about eventually coding and programming, and 
wanted to create sentient beings uh, that would be our future overlords. And Johnny Five seemed like a much more friendly. Well, no, actually, because we lucked out with him being struck by lightning that gave him that little spark of personality and life that the other units didn't have. Um, I, I just really love I, I just watch this over and over again. I would probably just sit there and recite the dialogue as it went. And I'm not doing a Johnny Five voice. I'm just telling you oh, right okay. now. Um, and it probably led me into way too much ingestion of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and leading. <laughs> so, yeah, I really I really enjoyed this. The second one was just a shame. Um, but So let's not remember that one fondly. This one is the one. Well, Corey, have you seen Short Circuit? Yes, I love this movie as a kid. I haven't seen it as an adult or even... I'm afraid to because of all of those things. A brown face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how meta is this? John Badham because there's that whole scene more than a woman from Saturday Night Fever he directed uh, Saturday Night Fever oh that's interesting I guess that's why it I didn't was know that well, yeah so I didn't know that I, I saw this also but it, I have not watched it since I was a kid I was never a real big fan of it though um, I don't know what it hmm. was that it just never clicked with me as a kid where like it was on HBO a lot too when I was a kid and I, I would almost never rewatch it um like I, I knew a lot of the quotes, you know, you would try to do the sorts, the the Johnny Five impression and whatever. But yeah, I I just never really found this as a, a super returnable movie for me. Again, not not a criticism to others who like it, but um, well, I mean, you can see the beginnings of Wally there. I surely think that's an sure. inspiration to the design, at least and the eyes. I'm looking Chappie. at him again. Mm. Oof. Um, I don't know that I even really got into Chappie or even watched oh, it. I, I, I've only watched enough of it to know I can't sit through it. But, um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's uh, definitely a good pick, though, because that, that definitely feels like the era that it's from. And I think that's kind of what I went with with my picks, is that does it feel like the, a time that throws me back to that time? When I watch this movie, does it put me back into that that period of time whether because of childhood memories or because the movie literally is like a time capsule and i feel like this next movie kind of does both for me um so my number four is tim burton's 1989 batman uh one i saw this in the theater because i love batman i was already re-watching uh adam west batman on i think whatever channel it used to come on and yeah as a kid i didn't realize it was a rerun because it was every day it was the same bat pl- channel same bat time and sure enough, the next day, the same time, there was Batman. And so I, I didn't understand a rerun concept, but um, this movie I loved so, so much when it, when I was a kid. The 1989 Tim Burton's Batman, even though uh, the gothic take and the twist on the Joker. But it feels like 1989 when you watch it. Like it, Especially, I think, Prince only adds to that. Um, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the choice to have Prince on the soundtrack. It just... <laughs> adamantly makes you feel like it's you're back in the 80s and um like i've tried i haven't rewatched it in a few years but um i did just listen there's a really great movie podcast called blank check um that they're currently doing the films of tim burton so like the the idea the name of the podcast is that a director does something so they have such a big hit with the movie that they are basically given a blank check to make whatever they want um, so does, you know what I mean? And, uh, so they're di- currently doing Tim Burton and, um, the Batman episodes made me really want to revisit his, both of his films, especially 
I have not rewatched Returns in a long time because the Penguin freaked me out as a kid. Ooh. Like, so, mm. um, but this movie I did watch a few years back, and um, like right after the Nolan trilogy ended, I rewatched the '89 Batman. And um, man, it just feels so much like the '80s. And honestly, Batman Forever feels like the '90s to me. Also, um, like the soundtrack is you get like U2 and, and Seal. And um, there's one more song on there that's like super iconic. That's a, another like band of the era that really feels like that time period. And I think that's a big part of this is the the parade sequence, especially, just feels like the old days. And um, that's what you know to me. This movie, I think it's I think it's a great time capsule of a, a period of Batman's lore. I don't I don't necessarily think this is the best Batman movie, but I do think it has a place and. Um, it brings me back to my childhood. There will be people that will fight you on that. I mean, at the time, that was the... We were like, oh, yeah. well, I, 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 I don't know that any... Kid. Everybody loved it, but nobody yeah, wanted to... Lo- uh, they didn't want to buy Michael Keaton as Batman, and he did amazingly well. I mean, uh, 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 it's just so weird to think, okay, now he's the vulture, and you know he's jumped... And you know, he just was so good at that. And Jack Nicholson had to. Oh yeah, he's uh, so good. Talk badly. Uh, Jack Palance, who had a kind of a sub villain role in it, um, and then eventually, um, oh wow, his name escaped me. Scariest dude alive. Well, you he know, played Mac. I learned a lot of interesting things listening to that Blank Check podcast. But I'll tell you, um, one. Yeah, Billy... I just added a few ups. Uh, Billy D. Williams was supposed to be uh, Harvey Dent, well, and he is Harvey yeah. Dent here, but he was supposed to be Two Face in <laughs> yeah. Batman Returns. But the studio was, we're not going to have a Black Harvey Dent. They refused, so they they mm. the Cole Christopher Walken character in Returns should have been Two Face. That's it. That, and then Christopher Walken. That's what I was thinking. Marlon Wayans was cast to be Robin in Batman Returns, <laughs> and they they put the kibosh on that as well. But there's an action figure where it has Marlon Wayans <gasps> flat top. But they a painted white Robin, um, because they they were making the figures for the movie and they had to switch it last second. So th- that I both both of those things I learned on Blake Check and I just was like, holy cow, that's crazy. But um, yeah, so you get uh, you know Kim Basinger also as Vicky Vale. Um, it, it's such yeah. a such a good movie and uh, I do think it holds up. And I like Michael Keaton as Batman um, mm-hmm. still, but I am I am a fan of the Nolan trilogy. I'm not so much a fan of the Snyderverse. Um, and I, I still like Batman forever, even though I do think it is Jim Carrey's show. Um, I find some joy in forever. I despise Batman and Robin. though, So I, we can just end that. It's just so weird to me that Tommy Lee Jones was two face and played two face. Yeah. So. And the way he chose uh, to play two face. Yeah. So, big. so it, he's almost as big as Jim Carrey. And that is saying something. Like, uh-huh. That is so unusual. And that's, that's, the Riddler that fits, that yeah. does not fit for Two Face. Well, I, I've heard that Tommy Lee Jones was uh, it, he when he does comedies, he likes to be the big like person. Like in Men in Black, <laughs> they kept having to restrain him apparently because he kept trying mm-hmm. to be like not he they, well he didn't get that he was the straight man like that he was supposed mm-hmm. to not be funny. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyways, that's my number four. Batman nineteen eighty nine definitely reminds me of that time period of my life so so much. Um, and again, Prince is, I think, the the key factor there. Um, but let's yeah. go to uh, Corey's number four. What do you got, Corey? Okay. Um, I went – so this is going back to uh, the small rural towns I lived in in Alabama and Georgia. Ah. Um, I went with Steel Magnolias. Hmm. 
It's just a small oh. part in the movie when <sighs> Weeza is getting her mustache waxed. <laughs> I really look forward to getting older, uh, you know. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And she is just going off about how she's such a pleasant person. And <laughs> she even said hello to a neighbor in the Piggly Wiggly that morning. And, uh, you know, living in really small towns, our grocery stores, and a couple of them were Piggly Wiggly. And you want to talk about getting, like, low-quality groceries at Whole Food prices? Boom. But. <laughs> that sounded like such an advertisement. We deserve money. <laughs> but it, What? No, I'm just saying, like, if you guys, it was like Albertsons. I live in Idaho where Albertsons is the bee's knees, guys, where it started. Um, so they're everywhere. But, like, more expensive than Albertsons, and they were, like, dirty and... Like, but at least, <laughs> but at least I could always find two liters of peach knee high, which I didn't need to drink because it's like pure sugar, but oh, it's delicious. And yeah, so that's what it made me think of. I really hated living in Georgia and Alabama, but all of these movies reminded me of living there. Hey, that's nostalgia. And this this movie actually just added it to my collection because I bought a four, uh, four movie set um for a future uh, next month of the month of April for movie club, Corey and I are watching Sally Field movies and I didn't actually buy it for Steel Magnolias. I bought it for, um, I forget the name of the other movie. That is I, the reason that I bought it. Cause we were trying to watch movies that we haven't seen with this actress, Sally Field. Um, and it just happened to be a box set of four movies for 10 bucks and Steel Magnolias was one of them. And I was like, well, yeah, why not? And my best friend's wedding as well. Mike um, was on that in that box set for 10 bucks. Um, wow. Yeah, so I couldn't resist. Uh, Places in the Heart. Ah, that's it. Whatever you just said. What is it called? Places in the Heart. And Places it also has Murphy's Romance. Murphy's Romance. <clears throat> so and they're rescreening Steel Magnolias in May, guys. And I'm definitely going to make it. I just watched it again last week, and it's been so long. In fact, that I had forgotten dolly parton's character's name and i hear it every Truly. other yes one of our one of my co-workers her little dog is named after that it's got to be named yes. after that character because that is not a common name no and so uh, just i i love dolly parton i love sally field i am okay with um julia roberts um shirley mclean and uh, is that Hannah. olympia no but yes she was so good as a, uh, as not to her type kind of character mm. um and uh, her character definitely reminded do y'all remember a movie called the spitfire grill i know the name yeah, yeah that one that really one I, I, I haven't thought about it not a whole lot of people remember that one um but where you get a character that you don't know a whole lot about them and just like daryl hannah's it's a little bit darker though um mm -hmm. but yeah oh, not not my kind of film but I totally, I just, I didn't change it. I just sat there the mm -hmm. whole thing. Something about Tom Skerritt really relishing detail oh and uh, an armadillo, red velvet armadillo cake is <laughs> oh, just man. something. I, I mean, I how can you it. not? I haven't seen uh, it in a long time, but as a kid, my mom loved it. And we actually, I, we just talked about this. It's weird, this movie keeps coming up. But um, I don't, did we talk about it on the podcast or after? But either way, um, I went to uh, a local theater production of Seal Magnolia when I was a kid. Oh, and, nice. Um, oh. With my mom, and I really, really, I, I just have really fond memories of it. It's obviously a sad movie at times, but yes. it was one I always liked, even as a kid. 
Um, so it, and it definitely because of that, like I, it brings nostalgia to me too. I didn't. This isn't on my list, but I think it's one that when you, like you said it, it like immediately brought me back as well. Um, so that was an interesting kind of experience. I just had like secondhand nostalgia. Th- uh, thanks yes. for that. So, um, all right. Well, let's go to Mike's number three. What do you got, bub? Uh, well, this one actually breaks. I just made a last-minute change. I've switched out. My number four is actually not originally Short Circuit. Uh, I don't think I even demoted it to my honorable mentions, but I might just mention it. So it actually changes the kind of theme I had. And I've actually got it fired up on the uh, the Kindle. Uh, Kindle? The Fire. Whichever the tablet I've yeah. got. And I'm watching the... Um, Poor Mike and Trent's, they're, they're just heading out from Vegas now, uh, from 1996 Swingers. Oh, Be- man, yeah. Because this one takes me back. I remember the resurgence <laughs> of Swing and the uh, the introduction, because we've seen Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, oh, I don't know how many times. I never picked up on the dancing. I had some um, under uh, stu- college work-study students that were definitely big on that and some... Uh, uh, friends from college that were also big on that and this man i remember hearing it getting the screener copy and then because the owner definitely for something quirky i was the go-to guy and i would not stop you know i I typically with a stranger i'm not going to talk a whole lot but this one just i would just definitely push it and they they even they even liked it because the owner of the store and i didn't always share the same similar tastes but this one just hit properly. John Favreau, uh, Vincent Vaughn, John Livingston, um, Alex Desert, just all around. And I'm just sitting here watching it quietly. The captions are on, and I'm thinking, you know, because again, this is one of those that I'm remembering. Let's see, I was still single, but I, Rachel and I were dating at that time. Um, he's, I'm looking at. It, I totally didn't even catch this. He's wearing a Queen's T-shirt. I mean, that's where I was born. So there's lots of different mm-hmm. levels uh, that I'm associating this with. And uh, that dream, you know, headed out to West Coast. For, I'm sure that everyone has at some point fantasized about to try to make your way and then not even be able to land that, that Disneyland part of any sort. Um, just, I yeah. this worked for me all around. And that's why I actually bumped this into number right. three spot. I just watched this a couple of years ago. Um, I think partly because of your recommendation, also because Doug Lyman, um, who directed yes, um, yes. Edge of Tomorrow, um, and some other stuff. But uh, uh, this movie, Jason Bourne. Oh yeah, the Bourne movie. Um, but yeah. uh, Favreau and the phone call, like the leaving the yeah. messages, is one of my favorite com- Maybe comedic scenes. Maybe you should scenes. call her. <laughs> it's so freaking funny. Because um, you don't expect that. That doesn't even fit the tone, and all of a sudden the machine's talking to him. Yeah, it's so and great. counseling him. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, it, there's a lot of funny moments in this, uh, and obviously, um, it does some stuff visually that's very cool. Um, you know, the recreations of like uh, the walking scene from Reservoir Dogs, I believe, right? Um, uh, yes, and also the entry when they go in uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas, the, the long take. The Copa, yeah, yeah, and they, that's very self-referential. And oh, they just got to the hockey hockey scene where they're making a fight i remember spending so many hours playing this hockey game and it's i'm looking at it's so ea yeah. sports hockey i know and the old wanting yeah and wanting to make them fight here i'm gonna make wayne gretzky's head bleed for super fan 99 here um man just um all right feeling Corey, so old uh have you seen swingers i have not i bought it because you told me i need to watch it yeah 
I think it's it's a good. Uh, I'm I'm a big John Favreau guy at this point in my life. Like even though I'm not super excited about the Lion King live action, but I trust that John Favreau is going to do everything in his power to make it good. Um, and that's one of the things I like about him. Like he didn't direct this, but he wrote the script. And I, I generally uh, like him. In fact, he's on a few movies that are on my honorable mentions. Um, like and some that most people probably have not seen. Uh, because they were like obscure like I used to watch them on Comedy Central type like late night movies um, but uh, yeah you should definitely check out Swingers it's it's pretty great um, Vince Vaughn is man something else in that movie um, he is so Vince Vaughn yep so following a trend my number three is not going to be a high critic uh, rating but man as a kid I rewatched the crap out of this movie um, I had a bad habit as a kid because I had a, a you know only so many vhs's and i was the type of kid like as soon as a movie i liked would end it would be rewind and let's watch it again run it back let's do it another time and uh, this was one of those films that i've watched i don't know probably way too many times more than most people and the reason i picked this for nostalgia is because of the co-star who i don't think you can get more early 90s than Polly shore so <laughs> my number three is encino man from 1992 um, stars Sean Astin, who would later go on to be a hobbit, Brandon Fraser, who would fight some mummies, and Polly Shore, the weasel himself, uh, wheeze the juice. You, you know, um, it, it's impossible, in my opinion, to get more 90s in this movie, and that's where I was a kid. You know, that's that was my childhood. It was kind of like, when I think of myself, I was born in the 80s, but the, my memories are heavily embedded in the 90s culture. And this movie totally reminds me of it. I mean, and it's it's all Polly Shore because he was MTV, right? Like he that's why he makes he reminds me of watching MTV. Totally, Polly. Yeah, and um, he doesn't change for many years. You know, he's got like son-in-law would have worked just as well, but Encino Man was where I first got kind of attached in. Um, I think I feel like even like the '90s culture, the video games, the rad dude, um, it, it all just feels like '90s to me in this movie, and um. I still think it's really funny. I think it's stupid, of course. It's it's a dumb comedy. The whole premise is ridiculous that they found a frozen caveman in the back in the the swimming pool hole he's digging himself. And you know, like how he thaws out and how he's able to learn so quickly. It's all ridiculous, but it's super funny. It's super charming. Uh Brendan Fraser is great as like a almost voiceless character for 90% of the movie. He just <laughs> utters words and um you know, every, eventually he says a whole sentence, but for the most part, but there's, there is this kind of, um, boy and his dog type quality to that with Sean Astin and Brendan Fraser, where like their bond is very much like, I'm the master, you're my, you're my pet. Um, and like, is even like how he hugs him late in the movie and he comes to his rescue. And I just saw how to train a dragon three the other night and their relationship reminds me of toothless and hiccups relationship, uh, in this movie. And that's, I never thought about that until just now, but that is kind of the dynamic, further proving how stupid this movie truly is, but man, does it hit that nostalgia bone for me, and it, it sends me back to my childhood uh, as I mindlessly watched over and over again Encino Man. That's, uh, you know, it, I would say Polly Shore is a guilty pleasure, so, I mean, mm -hmm. I can't fault you, but I think, definitely would like this one a whole lot more than uh, The Last Action Hero, and Maybe that's what it is. Poor Brendan Fraser just needs to have roles that have little or no dialogue. Hey, the Mummy and the Mummy Returns are. Solid he was movies. very good. Yeah. They were. He was very good. It's a shame. And Rachel Vice. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, it's kind of a shame that you know he's not gotten as much work. Yeah, uh, apparently he's he. I think he's trying to make a little bit of a resurgence now, but um, we'll see what happens. You know, I I, I wish him the best because I do have a lot of fond memories of Brandon Fraser movies, even some of his stinkers. Uh, which technically, I guess, Encino Man is one of those. Um, but yeah, he was know. in God. He was in Gods and Monsters, wasn't he? With um, was it Ian McKellen? I'm not sure. Oh, you not, not have you not watched that one? I, have not I, watched I haven't that watched one. it. I just. Um, it's I, I can't remember if it's based on a true story or not. It has to do with uh, early uh, golden age, silver age Hollywood and the oh. taboo of um, not quite like um, Call Me By My Name, but something somewhere along those lines, I believe. Oh, okay. Interesting. So. All right. Well, Corey, uh, I know you've actually gone to see Polly Shore live, have you not? Yeah, last year. It was so much fun, and it was a dream come true, and he walked right beside me. And I should have given him a high five. Um, I also love Polly Shore, and my favorite though is Son in Law, always, forever. Oh, I like Son in Law. That's a great one. So good. Um, but this one was my first, and uh, th- I mean, I, this movie paved the way for him to be a leading role, though, because he does kind of steal mm-hmm. the show. Because um, Sean Astin's the straight guy, the straight man in this, not straight guy, so the straight <laughs> man in this movie. You know, he's kind of whiny, um, always, you know, trying to trying to be cool, but not quite there. Um, and that's like everyone always talks about uh, Sam Wayne Wayne Wise Ganji. Is that I'm probably screwing mm-hmm. that up, but but up no, to me, good. he's he's the guy from Encino Man. That's where I think of Sean Astin. He's not Rudy, which also has John Favreau in it. Um, you know, he's not Sam Wayne Ganji. He's he's this guy. He's Brett, I think is his name in Encino Man. And you know, I, I like him there. Um, I like him there quite a bit. And you know, there's uh, man, there's so many stupid scenes in this movie, like. <laughs> But I, I do, uh, Polly Shore just, you know, wheeze the juice and the bandanas and the weird walking. And I'm a weasel. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, it's just good stuff. Even, I still say meat group, like, all the time. Like, you know, there's the scene where he catches the fly and he pops the fly in his mouth and he's like, meat group, which started at the at the microwave with the burrito. Like, I still quote that. So this movie's still heavily ingrained in my, my person. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it's the truth. So let's go to Corey's number three, uh, and we'll take the focus off of my Encino Man obsession. Okay, this is also a recent one from uh, Movie Club, actually. Ah. Um, I went with Phone Booth. I wasn't really a fan of that movie, but it reminded me of my life before cell phones. Ah, wow, that is a really good point. And I... So it's a double-edged sword. I love having so much information at our fingertips, and it has been such a great equalizer. Um, So many people have access to the same information. Not everyone, but it's more accessible than people having computers in their homes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really appreciate that, but I also know that I waste a lot of my life on my phone maybe it's reading 500 Wikipedia articles. Maybe it's going down the rabbit hole on YouTube, watching videos that I don't even know how I got to them, where it all started. Um, So, and also social media. That's all I have to say about that. But let's, let's get in the phone booth. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) I, there, it's just that this guy has to stop at this phone booth to call a girl he's trying to pursue and he's married and all of these other people need to use the phone booth also so it's 
I can't even remember the numbers that they say at the beginning of this movie about how many people don't yeah. have cell phones. And I just rem- I got my first cell phone when I was 19. I think I was almost I was I was almost 20 actually. Um and I didn't even want a cell phone. My mother-in-law made me have one. Yep. I had one. So, I had the big Nokia brick um, in 2000 because this movie yes. came out in 2002. So I had like the Nokia phone and you know it had snakes on it. Um, that was the game. Yes. And uh, <gasps> this... <laughs> that was all you got. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but uh, it was barely you know I had limited minutes and like it was uh, nights and weekends was text. like when you could use it. Well, text was five cents a text. Nobody text. Yeah. Um, you you know so you barely use it. It was like absolute need to get a hold of me or it's after nine o'clock or whatever the time was. Um, but, uh, it's, it's still like the movie is dated so hard when it, when it starts because of those statistics, because none of those statistics are, are, you know, like real now. They're so different now. Like, and it's, you would think like when you say that, oh, phone booth, it would be really old, but it's, it's really not. I mean, it is, it's 16 years ago. It's not even 20 years. But yeah, but it's like so much has changed so fast because the technology just took over with cell phones and. Um, he even has a cell phone in the movie, but he, you know, he uses the payphone to do the the underhanded cheating thing because it's not traceable. Um, but yeah, there's uh, people with pagers and things like that. Um, well, I figured he might have run out of minutes, but if he's trying to be conniving, <laughs> yeah. then anyway. Yeah, and um, but yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely feels like 2002. Like the ever, uh, in fact, a lot about the movie feels like that time period. You just kind of get the vibe the style the 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 attitude and the the transition from the old school to the new school i think is a big thing i think him being in the phone booth i think even one of the things that uh Kiefer sutherland's character who is the guy on the phone um kind of says to him is like the change people are changing and everything's you know blah 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 like it's this kind of cultural like uh, arc you know milestone of sorts where it's just like oh yeah this is going to be a a touchstone of the time period so it definitely fits for nostalgia uh, reasons that time when payphones uh, were a thing. I never have watched this, but it does really make me nostalgic for the Lucas Lee part and Scott Pilgrim. Yes, when he hangs up the payphone. The first yes. click you hear is going to be me hanging up. The second click there... is me pulling the trigger. <laughs> There's a little <laughs> town that I love. Um, Kathy and I went when she went when she came to visit recently, called a uh, Silver um, Idaho City, hmm. and they have a working payphone. Wow. You yeah. just don't see those very often. No, and I thought that you know it must be turned off or, you know, it's they just haven't removed it. But no, you can pick it up and there's a dial tone. So maybe yeah. I'll call you guys. Yeah, that would be cool. Although it'd probably like send us through some weird time travel. <laughs> it's like 1986. Take again. some, take some wet ones or wet wipes because you just don't know the last time those things oh. have been sanitized. So word. I'm just saying. Ugh, that sounds gross. Uh, let's yeah. go, uh, Mike. We're on to your number two, sir. All right, I'm going with an obvious one, and I it was difficult to narrow it down between one of the uh, any of the three original trilogy here, uh, because again, going back to my childhood, there were certain films that I recorded mm-hmm. from the TV versions, and then you know later on, I was shocked. I was like. <gasps> You know, I didn't know they had that language in Back to the Future and a couple uh, others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't one of my picks, although you know I could see that. Um, and one of the ones that I recorded and wore out the tape was not my pick, and I really wanted it to be. 
and there's a reason I switched it over. I ended up picking 1983's Episode Six: Return of the Jedi ah. over Empire Strikes Back. I missed Empire at the theater. Saw the original Star Wars at the theater, um, uh, and I remember that very, very vividly, and just you know having that moment. But '83, I would have been ten, depending on the month of release. I want to say summer, so it probably been ten. I remember Westland Mall was where my mother was working at the time, and this was a time when I, as a ten-year-old, could go and wait in the line that would go around the whole theater. And, I mean, I literally, the people around me looked out for me. I didn't, I never felt unsafe, even though this was also around the time as Adam Walsh's disappearance oh. from a mall. Yeah. Um, because, uh, if I recall correctly, Dahmer, Henry Lee Lucas, and uh, I forget who, who else were very close around the area operating. And any any of them, and it wasn't Henry Lee Lucas, but I think uh, the Otis partner, because you've watched uh, what's the what's the one with Michael Rooker that plays Henry Lee Lucas? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the horror movie. No, um, I'm familiar with Rooker, obviously, but not. Oh, I, I gotta dig it up. Yeah, I've not seen a lot of his filmography, so I gotta dig it up because it's based on the killer. All that to say is this: is that. It gets me back to the idea that, you know, it was a safe time. And not only that, this was around the time, just a little after the Cocaine Cowboy uh, time period. Think Scarface and whatnot, where we have mm. people coming through with the Miami crime um, wave. And it's, I just remember it was obviously premiere time. And just, you don't often see people line up around the theater and it was the theater right close to red lobster and it beyond the fact that you know it's a star wars film and being able to see it on the big screen and just not it just it, it's ingrained I, I would never let my children do this i would never not a 10 year old nowadays yes maybe now that they're older but um i guess i just figured oh my mom's just across the street yeah she's working but you know um, yeah, times have changed uh, though how we handle that because that's like, you know, back in the day, like we would go out and play with our friends or whatever, and we were just mm -hmm, trusted to mm -hmm. come home on time. Now it's like if my kid's phone is like at less than fifty percent battery, I'm like, no, no, you got to charge your phone first. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's so weird how we are so reliant on like that element of it. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah, back in the day, it was like no, there was yeah. no contact. You were literally just like, hope you come back. Like that was the gist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it. We we laugh about it. it's just. I would never have allowed my kids to do what I was able to do back in the yeah. day. And the movie I'm thinking about uh, way back in the day, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, ah, that's yeah. a rough watch. Uh, the reason yeah. I bring it up again, uh, he was one of the cohorts or people that I think was around the same time period and was associated with the guy that they suspect murdered Adam Walsh but never could Pretty actually you know, get it. Yeah. Man. So, yeah, so, the, it... it you're, you're, it's weird nostalgia. Yeah, it's it's like it's not so much the movie as the experience of going this time, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I mean, of course, obviously Star Wars does pull us back to that time period. Um, my first real like like awareness of Star Wars was my aunt Karen, her bedroom. I lived with my grandparents and my aunt Karen for most of my life, and uh, her bedroom had Star Wars wallpaper. And I I've, I've never forgot it because I always thought, I always used to like I was like this is such cool wallpaper like. 
because it was like the Death Star, and there's you know you had Ben Kenobi, and uh, it was all from Dang. A New Hope, though it wasn't from Empire uh, or Jedi, but still, um, that was kind of when I was like, what is all this? Because I had not been exposed to Star Wars, because this is again, I'm super young. I'm like, eighty three, I was one, so you know, like I was probably oh lord five or six before I even was aware of Star Wars, but it was because of the wallpaper first. Um, and then it was finally brought to me, and I've been a fan ever since. But, um, all right. Well, obviously, Corey and I have both seen Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leads me to my uh, number two, right? So um, I mentioned living with my grandparents and my Aunt Karen, but at, I think at about 94 or so, uh, another aunt and my four cousins moved in with us. So we had nine people living in our, our decent-sized house, but definitely wasn't equipped for nine. But I was fortunate because I was there first. I got to keep uh, my own room. And that meant I had my own TV and my own VCR um, and my Super Nintendo. Um, but uh, my cousin Kimberly, um, who we were always pretty close. We had a lot of things in common, and uh, movies was one of them. And um, she would, like convince me let's watch this movie again 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 right there was a few movies like that um and honestly all of them could have been on this list because they all kind of elicit nostalgia partly because of how many times i watched them but also they feel like the era but none more than this one and i didn't realize it until last year um when my yearbook staff finishes uh our yearbook because we have our deadlines in march we have a, a celebration week where we take the week off and we we have like we watch a movie on two of the days because we only see each other three days a week at our school um we watch a movie we split the movie between two days and i i get them food and we have like a little celebration for all the hard work we've done for the year and l- last year i picked this movie and while watching i was like god this feels so much like the 90s like it almost it almost doesn't hold up because it's so 90s, and it's 1995's Clueless. Um, <laughs> Alicia Silverstone, yes. Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy, Paul Rudd, who looks almost the same, Donald <laughs> Faison, who she also looks age. almost the same, um, Alicia Donovan, Breckenmeyer, um, Amy Heckerling, directed and written, uh, Dan Hedaya as her dad, and of course, Wallace Shawn, can't forget Wallace Shawn. Um, I still love this movie, and I did enjoy watching it last year, but I didn't it feels so like a time capsule back to the 90s um everything about it the catchphrases like as if whatever and all (laughs) of that it just it's so dated and yet my class still enjoyed it but it definitely it was like man this is just such even uh brecken meyer's character the skater guy he's so grunge like everything about that guy is like the grunge movement and the skater movement of the 90s um britney murphy's character kind of is in the in the middle of that uh, then you have the Valley Girl preppy image. I mean, it's it's, and again, I watched this a lot with my cousin Kimberly. She loved this movie, and while I probably tried to act like I was just letting her watch it, I also loved this movie. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm no longer ashamed of loving a film like this. But I think as a kid, I was like, well, I can't say I like this movie because you know, it's got three lead female characters and it's you know not, but yeah, stupid '90s m- immaturity of of being labeled something, but. Um, in in hindsight, Clueless was a great experience. It's a movie I've I've seen countless times, and I really do. Every time I think of this movie, it just crashes me back into the nineties. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even hesitate when making this list. This was definitely going to be on it. 
I can't believe you did not mention the inclusion of the Mighty Mighty Bostones. Because oh that God. totally puts right. it to another level of 90s as uh, well. Completely right, dude. My bad. And Marvin the Martian, because I'm sorry, but I still love Marvin the Martian to this day. And oh, as uh, Freddie Murphy says, uh, you know, she mm-hmm. can draw him. Um, but yeah, I, I always like Marvin the Martian, so another another one. This is the only movie I have on my um, honorable mentions list. I oh. love this movie so much, too. I thought this would be on your top five, so I'm I'm glad that it's not. Though, Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. No overlap. Mm-mm. But yeah, um, it's it's such a good movie, and uh, again, I do think it's the epitome of the '90s. So um, that said, Corey, we're on to your number two. What you got? Okay, so I went with Edward Scissorhands. Oh yeah, totally. Tim, second Tim Burton movie. Um, yes, I. You know, he he messed up and made two movies, I think, in, like, the same year. Was it um, Big Fish and The Corpse Bride? Maybe. And Corpse Bride was awful, and I just stopped. I just stopped. Mm. I tried watching Alice in Wonderland, and that was just bad. And um, Yeah, so bad. Um, I'm excited for Dumbo. I was going to skip out on it, but I think I'm going to watch it. But Michael I... Keaton and Burton working together again mm. yeah and the whole cast and Danny DeVito um, actually too oh, it's a, oh yeah. all I can imagine is I'm Dumbo it's, it's, it's <laughs> Batman Returns part 2 that's going to be the twist <laughs> like, oh my god stop Batman, ba- Batman Returns more return dude yes <laughs> no so but I'm I went with this one guys because of where it was filmed too Oh yeah, it's right up our, yeah. right up the yeah. road and yeah. Southgate Shopping Center. Shopping Center, the neighborhoods in Lakeland that were all the primary colors. Yes, and no matter how many places I live, I live in the exact opposite corner of the country. Actually, I could live somewhere way cooler like Washington, but I live in Idaho. Um, I, you know, um, Central Florida is always going to be home to me, so I guess that's why I went with this for number one. No, and I, I mean, didn't even know until um i was like 20 or 21 that that we were driving by to a friend and i and i'm like why haven't they updated this part this you know strip mall why is this so outdated and she was like oh my god Corey, <laughs> they filmed you know edward scissorhands here so yeah a great education you know i mean i'm totally up for this one i'm a huge fan of it but if i'm going to florida locales uh, I'm probably going, and this is probably what my fixation with Bartow. My girl. I mean, that's, yeah. My yeah. girl. Yeah. Because a good amount of that, and you, it's very recognizable, a couple of lake scenes and the funeral home and whatnot, mm-hmm. and the streets, and I'm like, oh, I'm watching the same streets as Veda Sultanfuss. That's how I felt so. when I was in New York last year. It was just like, oh my god, this is from that one movie, and this is from that other <laughs> movie. Um, but uh, this movie, I, I, I taught Edward Scissorhands um, a couple of years now, and uh, it's it's always fun because the kids you know they get excited because it's lo- they're the local connection but it also it does feel like the 90s I especially think Anthony Michael Hall's jock character um, mm-hmm. really like epitomizes that 90s kind of like stereotype of that character trope um, but, and, who, who, the last person you'd ever expect to play that right yeah. yeah and he nails it though like uh, oh yeah it's so different than just a few years earlier you watch like 16 candles or um uh uh, Breakfast Club, and you're Pre- just like, how is, how is this him? Like, how does he pull that off? But 
Oh, he bulked up. He was he not did. the same kid. And then eventually the TV, the Dead Zone TV series, he was really good on that one. I've heard I that. I've not that seen show. that. Um, and also, just to throw this out there, how great is Alan Arkin? Like, I mean, seriously, he, he cracks me up so much in, in Edward Scissorhands as the dad. He He's so great. <laughs> um, but, all right, uh, let's go. Uh, definitely a good pick. And I like, I, I kind of feel like Tim Burton's aesthetic feels like our childhood, and that's why yeah. we have Batman and Edward Scissorhands. Because when I was talking about Batman, I was like, I could easily put Edward Scissorhands here, and it would it would still remind me of that, that time period. So, because um, even when I watch, like, Burton's later stuff, it reminds me of, like, this feels like the 90s. And it's it's not the 90s. It's, it's a gothic a- a- aesthetic. But that's when I became aware of Tim Burton, and he kind of introduced me to that, that aesthetic. That was not a, a something else that... I can't think of any other, like, gothic-inspired shows I was watching as a kid outside of Tim Burton's stuff. So, you know, um, for he kind of introduced me to that whole look. So it reminds me of my childhood. And, and I, even now, like, so... Uh, Wait, I don't know that I've ever seen you dressed up in zippered leather and big well, old silver saying, hands. Oh, because well, okay, I was a child. We didn't know each other back then. Oh, but, um, okay. you know. yeah. Oh, but you did. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, Mike, we're at number one. What do you have for your number one okay. nostalgia? All right. Um, well, this one, I don't know how familiar you all are with C.S. Lewis and the whole idea of the sixpence, none the richer, which is where the band actually got the, the their name oh. from. Um are you all familiar with that concept or the idea? Nope. Uh, kind of not quite like the gift of the Magi, but basically where a child goes to their parent, in this case a father, and asks them for money so that they can buy their parent a gift. So at that point, they're six pence and they're richer. They're giving them a few, you know, a little bit of money, and they're, in essence, getting it back from their own money back, just the way the child has given it to okay, them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so... The reason that brings that up is because I very distinctly remember this film for something along those lines. And what I mean by that is it was the first time uh, I'd I'd followed this film somewhere along the line. It was 82, so it was 9. I saw this, I remember it was not a huge screen. It was a corner theater, very small, two-screen, kind of the way Lake Wales Theater used to be. Kind of dank, and yeah, you can think of that atmosphere like that. And I distinctly remember spending my own money to buy mom dinner, to buy mom the ticket, and myself to go see The Dark Crystal. Oh. And I love this movie. Yes. Oh, yes. And this one just, not just because of the film, but just those memories. Nine years old, you know, thinking I'm this big stuff. I can pay for dinner. I can pay for at least the movie. And we can go out and enjoy this. And... Uh, my mom and I actually, my mom and I probably watch more films than not, and she and I are strange, way estranged. But just that idea that that memory is kind of stuck in me, and I mean, this was oh gosh, I don't even want to do the math, but many, many years ago, and I, that that's what I take away from not just the whole experience, the horror of the Skeksis, the way the uh, you know not a single live action person in it. It's all Muppets. And yeah. uh, just immersive, an immersive world that when Jim Henson was on his game, created. Well, I mean, he did it several times. He did it with a couple other things. But this one, the film and, and Frank Oz and just, whew, yeah, that's, uh, that one pushed it up to me, uh, up to the number one spot very easily. In fact, I'm pretty sure I built around that. I'm like, this is my number one, and that's why. Yeah. Um, I... 
one, are you excited about the Netflix series? I am. Out? I am hoping the best. Um, they have the a hell of voice cast. As, yeah. Well, as long as it's not completely a redo and it's kind of an extension, which is what I believe it is, isn't it? I believe Where's, so. Yeah, and that that that's good because leave the original alone and kind of move on because there's lots of stories that can be told from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, um, I I. I don't remember the movie much, but I saw it. I remember, like, as a kid, they they put it on regular TV uh, a few years after. Obviously, it came out in 82, but a few years later. And I remember it being, like, a big deal that it was coming on TV. Because I remember, like, they did, like, a whole, like, thing with Jim mm-hmm, Henson. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching all of that. I remember that more than I remember the movie itself. Like, I remember the hype. It felt like the Super Bowl. You know, like, when the Super Bowl's on and, like, they have all the pregame. Like, the whole day could be Super Bowl influence that's how i recall dark crystal on tv it was this big thing my family was all there we were all excited to watch it together and i don't remember why i don't remember anything about the movie from that either um i've seen it and i actually i own like a really cool collector's set that i bought at fye a few years ago that has like jim henson like a recreation of his sketch pad where he was like mapping it out it's like a really cool box set um and it was super affordable when i got it and uh because i think it might have been like an anniversary or something so it might have been from like 2012 um, cause that would have been what the 30 year anniversary or 40 year anniversary, whatever mm-hmm. 30, um, 30 math. And, uh, but yeah, it's one, um, I've been meaning to revisit and I'll, I'll definitely probably rewatch right before the, uh, the series comes out. Cause I'm, I don't always do TV series, but the voice acting in the, on the list is so massive. There's so many people I love, uh, being tapped for this series that I really want to give it a watch. Um, so, and Corey, I know you've been a big fan of dark crystal. Yes, I love it so much. Um, I I'm pretty excited about the um, the series. I hope that they don't ruin it. <laughs> but I don't think it'll ruin your memories of the original. I hope they don't do a bad job with this one, though. Yeah. But are you a labyrinth over Dark Crystal or Dark Crystal over Labyrinth? Me? Yeah, because I mean, you, I know you're a Bowie person, so I'm wondering which one more. Dark Crystal. Um, but I feel like I love Dark Crystal more, but Labyrinth has much, it's easier to rewatch, I oh, okay. think. Mm, you can see, I mean, I mean, at that point, we're, we're trying to try to make, have a three-way competition between NeverEnding Story, Dark Crystal, and Labyrinth, so. Ah. Mm, I Which, haven't seen Never NeverEnding Story since I was a kid, but I I feel it. like a lot of people our, our age would have that on their top five, though. Like, I, I, I haven't seen it in years. I liked it as a kid, but man, I don't have any kind of desire to go back to Never Ending Story now. And um, I did. I, I my friend, uh, a good friend of mine, bought my daughter the like one and two Never Ending Story DVD, like when she was young. Oh, wow. And we watched it once, and then I, I don't think she was ever really drawn into it. And I don't, you know, um, so like yeah, it, it's one I know I watched as a kid, and I just have like no real like love for right now and it not to insult it but like it's one that i know a lot of people beloved Mm -hmm. uh, um but my number one is probably kind of predictable and it's definitely one i've talked about before but i nothing reminds me of like this was the first movie that i kind of self-identified with before i saw it like i knew this movie was made for me and I didn't, I hadn't even seen it yet, but I just knew, just by the title alone, because we grew up in a very small little community, there's not a lot to do here, so where did we go but our local mall? And that, I went literally <laughs> every weekend for like my middle school life to the mall. My mom didn't drive, so she would send me in a taxi 
which is not easy to do here. You have to call ahead and order a taxi. Oh my gosh. Before there was Uber, because there was no app for it, you had to call them, ask to be picked up, they come get you, take me to the local Winter Haven Mall, and I would spend $20. When it was an, when it was an enclosed mall, and yes. it had an arcade, and yes. a theater. And... and that's exactly, I would hit up the arcade, I would go to a restaurant, or because there wasn't really a food court per se, there was one, <laughs> no. like, orange julius type place yeah, that had pizza right there in the middle but there was like a yep. lucy hose uh chinese food place was really good uh there was a mccrory's diner which was solid and then piccadilly <gasps> cafe oh my gosh, right. oh my gosh. this is i just me. See, uh, it was morrison's hearing... it was morrison's morrison's that's what it was it became piccadilly you're correct um, that's right because piccadilly bought them out that's right uh so see i just sent you guys on a nostalgia trip. that's what i'm saying Dang. So this movie does that for me every time and if you haven't caught on yet it's kevin smith's second film yeah mall rats from 1995 um this was you pick this movie is me all over before i ever saw it i was like there's a movie about me because i was a mall rat i went that's where i lived it was at the mall i was a much more functional brody uh (laughs) but um (laughs) this movie introduced me to kevin smith which is uh, if you've been listening to this podcast you've heard me rave about my love of that man even though i don't like his more recent films because i am a i am able to separate my love for kevin smith and his work i don't love yoga hosers i think yoga hosers is pretty awful i am very very hopeful that jay and silent jay and silent bob reboot is good fingers are crossed but mall rats is still my favorite kevin smith movie it speaks to me on so many levels i've seen it so many times it stars jason lee jeremy london shannon doherty um but the idea of like a time that I feel like it's fading. The mall's still, like, our only really central location here, but the stores are all, like, cruddy. There's not really, like, a big chain store. And a lot of the big malls you have to go to the big cities. Let's be honest. The one we have is a dirt mall now. It has become that. You were correct. It's not officially, because technically dirt malls are flea markets, which we have plenty. But, um... It is, yeah, it, it very much has that vibe. I mean, my old stomping ground of FYE, which closed a few years ago, is now a place where you can get your stuff glitterized. <laughs> um, like, what? Yeah, it's, and mm-hmm. I, and no oh, offense yeah. to them, it's a, apparently doing well, but, like, you have this massive store that used to house all these <laughs> movies and DVDs and CDs, and now it's, uh, it's, people can bring their items to have covered in glitter. It's, it's so sad. Can um, we please thanks, open an airbrush so much. shop? Thanks so much, Jojo Siwa. Yeah, but Mallrats, um, it's a movie that sends me back to the, my, my high school years. It sends me back to my favorite mall, which was the Winter Haven Mall, when it was at its peak before it became a dirt mall and then eventually an outdoor you know, shopping center. Um, I, <laughs> I love the whole idea of it. And I, Mike Brody loves his mall. I love mine. And uh, I spent so many years there. I knew every – I still have friends from people that worked at the arcade – one of a, a very close friend who's now I've taught his children, mind you, but he worked at the arcade and I've known him ever since. And it started at that mall. Like I've built relationships uh, from him. that location. Yeah. <laughs> also a friend of Corey's and he was a manager yeah. at FYE. So just, you know, connections here, people, uh, lots of nostalgia, small town life. What? <laughs> yeah. This, this movie is nostalgia to me. Like this is the epitome of it. So like, like Mike with his pick, this was a, a foregone conclusion when I started this and I was trying to pick movies that I don't always talk about. And I was like, there's no way for me not to include mall rats. It is too big a part of who I identified as, as a high school student. This movie 
does that for me. And um, even as a film person, I, I often credit like Kevin Smith was the first director I was aware of as a director outside of like Steven Spielberg. You know, like he was that the first one where I, he was like he was my director. I loved his movies. I didn't care if anyone else hadn't seen them. And so uh, my my obsession with film definitely kind of spirals around him. And my obsession with podcasting definitely uh, inspired by Kevin Smith, Doug Benson, and at, for a time who now I have cut off, Chris Hardwick. But, um, yeah, that's my number one. Um, Corey, we're up to you. What do you got? Okay, um, I have talked about this movie before. We've talked about it quite a few times, but I haven't seen it in a long time. But it still stays pretty relevant because it pops up on the social media from time to time. And now they're going to be making a new um, television series about it. Oh. And the cast got together recently to celebrate, I guess, that. Um, So I went with the Sandlot. Oh, I I almost had this on my list, too. I just, anytime that I think about this movie, I just go back to when I was... I was like seven or eight and we went on this epic road trip it's my grandma's birthday today so shout out to my grandma and I don't know how she didn't murder all of us but there were five of us in a small car it was probably a Toyota Corolla or something and you know we went through all these states we went you know all the way up to Tennessee but for the time that we were visiting in Missouri my aunt and I went to the small little two-screen theater to see Sandlot, so I just am always transported back to that summer that I almost died, <laughs> you know, my grandmother told me to pick out my own Switch, because I was in trouble, she was gonna oh, get man. me, she didn't get me, <laughs> but she scared me enough that I straightened up my act, um, you know, in summer, it, I mean, the movie takes place in summer, and it was the summer, you know, Fireflies, it just transported back. Yeah. Anytime I think about it. I, I love the Sandlot, and yeah, it totally uh, does throw me back. Even though the, in the movie it's not that time period, you know, that, that they're, they're having nostalgia moments of their own, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the framing device of the film is him talking about his youth and um, and his group of friends that he had. And that, that kind of, I think, it is nostalgia, right? Like, even the idea of baseball, and when you look at James Earl Jones' character, who is now blind, but he's nostalgic for his his time as a baseball player. He has all his memorabilia. You know that the whole movie centered around memorabilia, with the baseball. You know the Babe Ruth ball. Well, the not the whole movie, but the the big crux of the plot when he they have to get the baseball back, um, is all nostalgia. So yeah, it's it's kind of inherent in it. And I even think I mean the idea of baseball, America's pastime, right? Like it just elicits memories and and thinking back to our youth when everything was simpler. Uh, you know, peanuts and cracker jacks. That's all, all we need to be happy, because um, we're Americans and we like food and sports. But uh, um, and Mike, you're a fan of the Sandlot too, right? Uh, there's a reason I've been silent. You have not still seen I've this. Never. Watched I was thinking. Oh, that what? No. Yeah. Never watched it. I'm not a baseball <clears throat> guy. Uh, I get that. I was a baseball fan. Um. I like the little James Earl Jones thing. I'm sure that's got to be a nod to Field of Dreams. Mm. Um, just never. Ne- Dennis know. Leary plays the dad. He, he does. He's great. And, um, um, I know there's the thing with the big dog and you kill him yep. with smalls. I know Hercules. some of the lines. I just yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 
I I just never it was never on my radar. You need to. Um, uh, I always got it mixed up with Rookie of the Year, and that one was nearly like as good. Too. Oh, no, it was not. good. I don't know. I, I um, like it. It's nowhere near as good as Sandlot, but I, I like okay. I I liked baseball as a kid, and I also had a friend like we baseball was kind of our bonding thing. So like, I actually think I liked it more just because of the friendship I built because of it. Um, and the Sandlot was a was a big factor in that. We watched the Sandlot all the time together. Um, <laughs> and uh, I. I gotta be honest. Uh, if anything, anymore of all things, I'm probably gonna watch a lacrosse movie. I've been to two lacrosse games in the last two weeks. Uh, I've actually watched at least one, and I got another one on my queue, all lacrosse related. You just don't see that very much. No. So um, it's not. Uh, I, I would do that. Although <laughs> you should give the same lot of chance because the camaraderie in it is great, and it is a comedy okay. first. Like baseball's the the foundation. Secondary. It's it's the foundation of which their friendship is built. But in fact, uh, our main character, um, Smalls, is ignorant of sports. He's she a nerd. He doesn't even know who the babe is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, he's kind of what? your entry point. Yeah, see, that's the reaction they get. Because um, like, they keep talking about all the different nicknames for the babe, and he doesn't understand that it's different characters. Yeah, super great. Like, again, it's kind of an entry point for, like, non-sports people to, like, he's accidentally infiltrated the world of sports. <laughs> Um, am, am, am I going to be walking around going, did you catch that ludicrous display last night? No, you won't see that. But um, okay. that leads to honorable mentions. Mikey, what do you got for honorable mentions? All right, I've got a few. I actually have just above five. And my list decided to go off. Uh, Days and Confused was one, but I figured that would be very common. And get That one yeah. gets lots of love. I'm going to skip my next one, but I'll come back to it because I have some explanations. Stand By Me was really difficult to not include because that screams nostalgia. Mm -hmm. um, so um, Stand By Me, I really, really uh, – I watched an alternate ending part uh, uh, on it. It was kind of funny. Never Ending Story I included. E.T., The Extraterrestrial, was difficult to not include. The one I bumped – and put in swingers for and bumped was the wizard hmm. because of uh, just video game not a great movie but just uh, i love jenny lewis and then fred savage obviously from the yeah. wonder years and all that um so my last one that i skipped over and we'll come back to is hatchet oh and <laughs> and the reason hatchet and it doesn't have anything to do with the young adult novel that's is sometimes part uh, I don't know that's required reading I just know that middle school usually have lots of copies of I think it's Gary Paulson something Paulson hatchet it's not that it is a throwback retro ultra uber gory horror film called hatchet there's at least been three parts of it yeah. and it just takes me back and you know I've been watching horror since I was way too young preteen I want to say between 10 to 12 years old and I'm like, whoa, because it is very looks all practical effects and it's not for the faint of heart. And to see it is to know the horror fan that I am and grew up and still am, even though I flinch at some things now more than I than I would figure I would flinch at. So hatchet of all things. Yeah, that's I think you had me watch that. That's the it's set in Louisiana, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I watched the first one during the challenge i think um Oof, uh, <laughs> it's, that's something. okay so my i have a lot of honorable mentions i'm not going to go through all of them because they're but they're kind of like segmented so 
um, like the Sandlot, I have a series of movies that kind of fit into it. Uh, the Mighty Ducks, Little Giants, Ladybugs, mm-hmm. um, Sidekicks, Surf Ninjas, and Three Ninjas are all very similar, like, kids, you know, getting to be more adult than they should be um, in some capacity. I mean, a couple of those are very clearly sports movies, uh, but a couple are martial arts-based. But they're all kid-centric, and, um, like, Sidekicks was actually... Last Action Hero and Sidekicks were tossed back and forth because they're both really bad. They both kind of pay tribute to the older 80s movies, uh, Sidekicks specifically to Chuck Norris movies, which just only embodies how bad they are, because... <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. There's not a good Chuck. What do you mean you movie. don't you don't got top dog? No, um, but um, and then Bill and Ted's was also one that I I it was hard not to include because it totally reminds me of that time period. But uh, Corey, I was surprised Empire Records wasn't on yours because it was really hard for me not to include, and I actually left it off thinking it would be in your top five, and I was trying to avoid overlap um, because that movie just sends me back to the '90s as well. But uh, PCU. I mentioned with John Favreau and Swingers. <laughs> I I rewatch that all the Piven. time on Comedy Central. Yeah, Piven, David Spade as the the bad bad guy who's the Republican, <laughs> um, the young Republican, and uh, and John Favreau as the the dreadlocked uh, you know headbanger who's stone and uh, show me where the campus is it gets misconstrued for something else. It's a I don't know what it was about the movie. I just kept rewatching it all the time. Um, when it was in the 90s and it feels I think when I think of that movie it is 90s like it is heavy 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 90s because I think the spin doc- like I think the spin doctors are characters in it or there are guys who are clearly trying to be the spin doctors like there's like stoner frisbee players that totally reminded me of the spin doctors when I watched that movie as a kid was it them though Maybe I don't know I, that's what I'm saying if it wasn't them they were totally trying to be them because it totally felt like them and that's what um, and even, I think, the band that plays is super 90s in, in essence. Um, so, like, oh, and George Clinton in the P-Funk, you know, the, the Parliament He Funk was in? Wow. Yeah. It's such a weird PCU, movie. PCU should have hit bigger. It should have. Maybe it, bad marketing. It, it's it's probably an awful movie, but I it made me laugh as a kid, and I rewatched it like crazy. It is easily probably Jeremy Piven's best uh, lead, it's, I think his only leading role, but um, <laughs> I, I really like I like that movie a lot. Uh, I I don't know what it was. Like, it does sound like for politically correct you, right? Is that yeah, what that's is? what essentially it stands for. Correct. Yeah, there's a whole. In oddly, I think it would fit not well now because it's totally not politically correct. But they there's a <laughs> lot of like bashing about being PC or being too PC, and given the current climate with that, because there's a whole series where uh, he he tricks David Spade into being exposed as the horrible person that he is and he makes a lot of derogatory like like gay uh gay slurs some most of which i'd never heard outside of this movie they're done as a joke mind you it's not like super offensive it is but again it's not like i don't know they're done as a joke but it's uh, like it's such a uncommon thing he basically just calls out everybody in the school of for all their like these the slurs that are would otherwise not be quote-unquote politically correct so yeah it is uh, a movie that, as a kid, it just clicked for me. I rewatched it every time it was on Comedy Central, which I swear was, like, daily for months at a time. It was, like, always on. Um, and uh, lastly, I'm going to drop uh, Scream, because Scream feels like the <laughs> 90s to me. Um, same reason as Clueless. I rewatched Scream with my cousin a lot. Uh, same also with Empire Records. Those were the three movies I think we cycled through on was, the red. Uh, when, you, when you mentioned your cousin, I, I figured you would... <laughs> 
mentioned that one, so I'm surprised you didn't. Yeah, it was. I considered again. I was trying to avoid overlap, um, so I was thinking like Corey, and I thought Scream, Empire Records, and I actually thought Clueless might have made it on your list, but it, I, I was fortunate it did not. Corey, uh, you said your honorable mention was just Clueless. Yeah, that's all I had. All right. Well, what? That, I know. That's it for our top five nostalgia movies. Uh, Corey, I know you need to be heading out, so why don't you tell people where they can find you? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And you can find me at Burke Reviews on social media like Twitter and Instagram and Letterbox.com. And Mikey, what about you? I'm at Server Mikey. I just posted my Letterbox for this list. Ah, very nice. Um, I'm glad someone's using it because I love Letterbox and I use it all the freaking time. Um, they should sponsor this podcast. <laughs> hint, hint, Letterbox. It but... is. It is now managing my watch list and at least star reviews on stuff too nice well um you can find reviews in our podcast at burkreviews.com if you like the show please rate and review us it helps other people find our show um that's pretty much the gist of it we'll be back in a couple weeks with another top five and in the month of march Corey and i are watching uh jeff bridges films that we've not seen um in what we're calling uh the best actor goes to jeff bridges and so that's the whole month. And then, as I noted, April, we're going to be doing Sally Field the same way. So subscribe to the podcast. You'll get those automatically. And until next time, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.